So, um, as I said, the series is Common Sense for the Silly Season. Um, it's a, a different way to lead up to Christmas, but I'm looking forward to it. And there's two big reasons for me. I reckon, first of all, it's this old saying that uh, everyone says, uh, common sense just isn't that common. Um, it doesn't hurt to share a bit of wisdom at this time of year, and what's obvious to you or to me may not be obvious to everyone. So it's good to think practically about how to handle Christmas and handle it well. But also, um, in the silly season, Christians choose to focus on Jesus' birth. Um, it, it's the story that we love to remind each other of and tell each other. And that story says something about who we are in this world. It actually helps us to live differently before God and before each other. And so that, that, that story, it's worth chewing on it and thinking about how it makes sense at this time of year and makes sense of some of the chaos and the, the disorder that happens in our lives during this season. Um, it turns out that, that when you know Jesus, common sense really isn't that common. Um, that there's something unique that Jesus brings. Sometimes we can pick up wisdom in the world and affirm it. We go, oh, we know why that works. And then other moments we go, actually, there's something even better, something better way to, to point to. So I'm looking forward to the series for that reason. And uh, we're going to start with dollars and cents. Uh, as an area and let's be honest there's good reason to do that because people really know how to waste money especially if they're rich and famous uh, just a few of the the top 10 that i found top 10 expensive gifts that have been given here is a tibetan mastiff beautiful dog apparently costs you a cool 1.5 million us i don't know how <laughs> so apparently that's if you're, you're rich and famous it's not a bad dog to give each other at christmas time uh, if you're uh, Aaron Spelling, you know um, the love boat, Charlie's Angels? He worked out a way to, to splash out one Christmas. He decided to create a winter wonderland for his family in California. Uh, his daughter, Tori Spelling, decided to repeat the experience in 2009. It only cost her $2 million US. Mike Tyson, uh, he didn't treat his wife all that well, but apparently he bought his wife, Robin, a 24-carat gold bath. Again, about $2 million. And if you want to spend it like Beckham, uh, David Beckham bought Victoria Beckham a uh, necklace. This is a, a very famous piece of jewellery that I've forgotten the name of. I forgot to write it down. Um, $2.4 million. And that was one of several gifts he gave, he gave that year. It's ridiculous how people spend money at this time of year. And yet, in saying it's ridiculous, we do it too, don't we? I mean, the rich aren't the only ones wasting money at this time of year. Uh, those of us who have kids have probably spent November clearing out the uh, cupboards to create space for all the new stuff they're going to be given. And it was sort of probably discouraging for you as much as it was for me that some of the stuff you were giving, getting rid of was the stuff that you only got given last year. <sighs> uh, or we spend the money on food. Um, I don't know if you picked up this trend a couple of years ago, the duckin. So you take the flesh of a duck and you wrap it in the flesh of a chicken and you stick it in the, the oven. Apparently it makes all the juices better. But that that did, and then got surpassed by the turducken, whereas when you take the, the, chi the duck, the chicken, and then you wrap it in a turkey, and this one has bacon wrapped around it because apparently there just wasn't enough flavour involved in the experience. And then there's this one, um, <laughs> which I don't think is anyway serious, so chicken stuff with it. Yeah, anyway. <laughs> People know how to spend money at this time of year. 
And we do it in silly ways. The question worth asking isn't how should we not spend money, but how do we spend it well? Uh, we can become Scrooges, we could become um, uh, you know, the Grinches of this world, or can we find a better way? What, what are we missing about how we spend money, and what's the better option that God offers? So that's why we're going to 1 Timothy 6. If you've still got your Bibles there, open it up. 1 Timothy 6, because I think this has got great wisdom for using money well, great common sense that helps us answer those questions. How about I pray? I'm evaluating myself by stuff all over again. The problem is that putting monetary value on things actually changes their value. So they've done this really interesting study. I was digging through the journal of blood transfusion this week, as you do when you're preparing a sermon. Um, So there's all these papers discussing whether it works to pay people money to give blood, because that's what some countries do and some countries don't. Um, On one hand, people are donating less. You want to find some incentive to encourage people to give their blood. But the problem is that when you pay donors cash, often you get more donors but a lower quality of blood because people are giving for very different reasons. Money changes stuff. And and don't you find that? When money gets involved in relationships at Christmas, it, it really does affect the quality of the relationships. Those who can afford to throw money around become proud. Those who can't afford it, they become humiliated. Measuring relationships by stuff is one of our big mistakes. I think another big mistake that we make that's here is we make stuff transcendent. Look again at verse 17. Look at the misplaced hope. We put our hope in money. Verse 17. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth which is so uncertain. I reckon this is one of my challenges for my kids, apart from whatever's going on outside at the moment. Um, One of the things that they have is they're full of hope for Christmas, full of all sorts of hopes about what they're going to receive, and so then the disappointment comes when it doesn't happen the way they hoped. The, The point here is that only God is big enough to hold our hopes. Hoping in money makes us miserable, because we're, we're always looking at our bank balance, we're, we're watching how much we work, we're, we're working longer hours to get the additional money because we think if we have enough money, it's going to solve all our problems. We want enough money to make us safe, but we know it's never going to be enough. The old saying goes, money is a great servant, but it's a terrible master. We can't put our trust in money, it's not transcendent. And so God offers us a better way. Two pieces of advice for rich people in 1 Timothy are, first of all, hope in a transcendent God. Verse 17. So rich people shouldn't put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. I think that's a great moment for answering the Scrooge in me. Uh, It's not that God just meets my needs. God is not only reliable in his transcendence, he is generous. He, he gives, gives us stuff to enjoy. I have a friend who's into hiking um, and uh, he shows me this dried food that he packs. It's apparently really light. It's great for keeping you nourished on the hike. Um, I've tasted it. It's horrible. Um, it may well do well at keeping you alive, but I'm not convinced that it's all that tasty and, and enjoyable. I'm pretty sure the enjoyment, you can ask Dan afterwards, I'm pretty sure the enjoyment lies elsewhere. (laughs) 
Yeah, it's in the food. There you go. <laughs> God isn't like that. God gives us enough to enjoy. He gives us his world to enjoy. So it's really a contrast with money. Money, you put your hope in it and you become its slave. You worry about how you're going to find more. God, you trust him. You put your hope in him and he provides for your enjoyment. He, he is giving his world to you um, for your pleasure. I love that moment where Jesus points at the flowers in the field and looks at the beauty of those flowers. The poinsettias at the moment along the streets, hey? And Jesus says, if God can clothe the flowers like that, how much more can he provide your, your clothing? How much more can he look after you? Trust the transcendent God who gives everything for your enjoyment. And then, uh, you've actually got stuff to build relationships with. That's the other thing that 1 Timothy is saying. It's what money's for. It's what we, why we have possessions. It's to use for others. This created world, it's, it's there to build relationships. Um, verse 18, command the rich to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age, so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. Uh, money doesn't last beyond the grave, but people do. And so as we build relationships, as we use the stuff we have to, to invest in the relationships we have, that matters for eternity. And we have God and the pleasure of relationship with him for eternity. Money doesn't last beyond the grave, but people do. We can use our gifts to build relationships. So let's pull that down. Let's, let's think concretely about Christmas Day. And uh, look, I'm going to run through some common sense for dollars and cents. The trick is, don't think that I'm, I'm offering them as, as though I do them all well. I don't, <laughs> I'm not claiming to be an expert. Um, I'm, what I'm trying to do is pick up advice that I hear around and, and tips and ideas and really hear how that echoes and shows us the wisdom that God has already revealed. That the, these, these trends that we see in society are actually pointing to something that God's revealed and then sometimes God has even better advice. So, first of all, per, first piece of common sense is give meaningful gifts, isn't it? Don't just whack a gift card in an envelope. Think what the person actually needs. Now, it might be the person needs a gift card. Um, I, I have a nephew who's currently saving for a drone. It really fits within our relationships. If I know him and I understand what he wants and where he's going, it's totally appropriate for me to stick some money in the card. But it's the gift that comes out of the relationship. It's the relationship that matters. Um, and it's the gifts often that stick with me are the ones that, that actually... They are a relational moment. There's something special about what was given. They, they carry a memory or a treasured part of who that person was to me. I think that helps when we, we, we... The wrestle for me is so often my buying is driven by the budget I've set. And I've, I've said, spent $20 on Aunt Maud, so I've got to spend $20 on uh, Uncle Ide, rather than saying, okay, where's this... You know, who are they? What can I do to build the relationship with them? I think that's what, why this, the idea of giving experiences works, especially when you can do it with the person. You don't just give them one coffee voucher, you give them two and say, I'm going to ha hang out with you. I think it's just great because it, it's reflecting this wisdom that God's got. And I think it's also the, you know, the opportunity we had a few weeks ago. I think we've got catalogues still around, the tier catalogues. Uh, our family used um, CMS and a couple of other ones as well. The opportunity to give money 
to someone who needs it because I know that my dad doesn't actually need a gift and he doesn't want a gift. And he's thrilled to get the card that knows that the gift has been put to good use. It, it feeds a relationship. It feeds someone in another world, another country. It's common sense, but, but what I'm saying is the Bible shows us why. Money and stuff is meant to build relationships, so give meaningful gifts. Uh, another bit of common sense, make relationships a focus in the way we run our days. I really think it's a shame when someone who's hosting the Christmas lunch doesn't get the chance to sit down and have a conversation. I'd, I'd much rather be served reheated turkey that got cooked the day before and have cold potato and get a chance to hang out with someone. And I, I, I think it's really encouraging when that happens. Uh, the same goes for the gift giving. I really remember uh, vividly when I was young, Grandpa used to take all this effort to, to set up a room. He'd, he'd get little name tags. He was an architect, so he could do visual stuff really well. He made these little name tags for each family, set them up on each chair, and so everyone would put the present for that person on the different chairs. But the other thing was we took it in turns. And so that person would open their presents, and they had the space and the time to thank the people that had given the gifts. You got a chance to enjoy their enjoyment. It was a relationship moment. And I, I really treasure those memories. Families find their own way to do it. But the goal is to focus on relationships, not let the money and the gifts dominate Christmas Day. I threw this in at the other service. I think I'm going to throw it in here too. Um, I did, as I was saying this, think of Romans 12, um, where we're encouraged to do good and, and to be at peace with everyone as far it depends, as it depends on us. Um, it's worth acknowledging that when we talk about giving gifts out of relationships, sometimes that's a complex thing. Uh, sometimes it's not simple. Um, and God's advice to us in those moments is, look, and I love that verse because it's two times, Paul sort of like emphasizes it by underlining, underlining. He says, as much as it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. It's a good time to just remind ourselves that sometimes... You know, it's not going to be perfect. And as, if we've done what we can, that's all we can do um, as we give gifts and, and really long for better relationships with people. Okay, third bit of common sense is, um, coming out of 1 Timothy, make Christmas transcendent. So don't stop at the gifts and the food. Uh, use it to find hope in something much bigger. Uh, for Christians, for many, many Christians, the, the gift giving of Christmas speaks of this greater gift. It remembers that 2,000 years ago, God gave his son and he gave a, a, a costly gift that built relationships. It's really striking in this story of God coming to earth as a human being. Uh, it actually really speaks into our handling of, of stuff at Christmas time. Because on one hand, it's, it's, it rejects the Grinch because God didn't fix the world's problems from a distance. He actually took on humanity. He became physical. And so all this, the stuff that we have, it's not something we should get rid of to live the Christian life. It's not that we have to be ascetics and, and be done with things. That's not how God made it. That's not how God saves us. But what God did was he took our humanity, our human body, and he made relationship with his Father possible. Jesus took that, that human body, lived the perfect life, and then died for us gave it in a costly gift for us so that he could take the punishment that we deserve. The incarnation, it's a beautiful thing that teaches us how to use stuff well. 
that encourages us to, to use the physical world to enjoy God, enjoy relationship with Him. And, and the other thing is um, to build eternal relationships. I think that's my last bit of a common sense. This is particularly Christian common sense. But Christmas is a great time to take everything we have and, and money, home, food, possessions, and to dedicate it again to serving Jesus. It's just this wonderful invitation to see the eternal opportunity at Christmas. So, um, yeah, I don't, I don't know what it looks like for you. Um, at the moment, Jocelyn, uh, we live around the corner from the captains of the Salvation Army, and so we've made a plan that next weekend we're going to have a street party. We're going to invite our neighbours and just get to know them because uh, we want to eventually be able to invite them to know Jesus. And so it's been great to be able to do that with some other Christians that we live nearby with. Um, whatever it is, it's, it's about taking the opportunity to tell others about Jesus, using our money and our stuff to, to have people around, to have them for meals, to invite them on Christmas Day, to come along to church with me Christmas Eve with carols, whatever it is. Um, I, I'm going to finish with this little poem that someone's written. They've taken 1 Corinthians 13 and they've written it in a Christian version, and I, a Christmas version, sorry, not a Christian version, Christmas version. I think it does, it says it well. If I decorate my house perfectly with plaid bows, strands of twinkling lights and shiny balls, but do not have love, I'm just another decorator. If I slave away in the kitchen, baking dozens of Christmas cookies, preparing gourmet meals and arranging a beautifully adorned table at mealtime, but do not have love, I'm just another cook. If I work at a soup kitchen, carol in the nursing home and give all that I have to charity, but I do not have love, it profits me nothing. Love stops the cooking to hug the child. Love sets aside the decorating to kiss the spouse. Love is kind, though harried and tired. Love does not envy another's home that has coordinated Christmas china and table linens. Love does not yell at the kids to get out of the way, but is thankful that they are there to be in the way. Love does not give only to those who are able to give in return but rejoices in giving to those who cannot. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. Love never fails. Toys will break, pearl necklaces will be lost, golf clubs will rust, but giving the gift of love will endure. And friends, there is no greater love than Jesus born in a manger, born to save us. How about I pray? Heavenly Father, we thank you that you showed us how to use the things of this world well when you sent your son Jesus to die for us. Thank you that you give us everything to enjoy, give us wisdom to do it this Christmas. Uh, be with those who are going to have harder Christmases and may we be present with them and able to encourage and care for them. And may they also um, find hope in Jesus. May we find hope in Jesus. And we pray for those friends who are yet to know Jesus, that this might be that Christmas. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Why don't we stand and sing one last song? We're going to sing How Great Is Our God. The great